Happy New Year, Village Church. Is it? Is it? I think it might be. I think it's, I think it's going to be fine. <laughs> My name is Michael Fueling. I'm the lead pastor here at the Village Church. I have the joy to open up God's word with you. I want to welcome um, those of you who are here from Village Church East. I want to welcome all of our kids here this morning. And so it's just a joy. I want to welcome our 9 a.m. Uh, worship uh, Village Church Bartlett people to our 11 a.m. service. And then I think the vast majority of people are at home. And uh, God willing, they're going to wake up by 1, 1 p.m. and watch the service, right? We'll see. So when I, when I walked into 2020, I was so excited. Off the chains. And every year at the beginning of the year, we have what's called Vision Sunday. And we're really kind of just blunt on Vision Sunday. We're very honest about what's happening as we look forward to the new year. And, and so here's just a little excerpt from my sermon notes on January 5th, 2020, having zero idea what was about to ensue. We did a series called Together, and our goal in January of 2020 is this, to walk into 2020 together in vision and unity and love. We wanted to be on the same page with where we were going, how we were going to get there. We wanted to be united as brothers and sisters in Christ, but at Village Church of Bartlett, we had an interesting year because in that year, we grew by about 31%, about. And what happened is people started to go to church less, not just here, all over America, 2015 to 2019, saw one of the greatest declines in church attendance from committed followers of Jesus. And so we were like, our biggest challenge going into the new year was, hey, um, there are a lot of kids particularly, and we want to encourage you to, I don't know, like engage weekly and serve and pour into um, some of these people who don't know Jesus. And it was a really special opportunity, and that was the biggest challenge facing us into 2020. How many of you would love your 2020 challenges back today in light of what's currently going on? Um, by the time we get to the middle of 2020, we did another vision series. It's about three quarters of the year through the uh, way through the year, and here are my sermon notes. I said, our goal for our second series is called Together is this, to walk out of 2020 together in vision, unity, and love. And if I'm being honest, that felt impossible. It felt impossible, and I'll share with you why, because here's some things I put in my notes. Never have fewer people attended church. Never have we been more distant relationally. Never have we, I'm talking about the body of Christ, never have we been more divided on the science, stats, and politics of the very thing COVID creating so much chaos. 2020 was so bad from our perspective watching the burden that it put on the souls of the vast majority of our church. When we walked into 2021, we did a Vision Sunday, and let me share with you the title of Vision Sunday 2021, Overcoming the Trauma of 2020. That was the title. And interestingly enough, it is probably of all the messages I've given at Village Church had the most positive response. Like the last thing people wanted was for me to get up and say, Yay, it's another year. It's going to be better because I think deep down in everyone's souls, we hadn't really dealt with last year, let alone preparing ourselves for what was going to be happening. And I think we knew 2021 was going to be a struggle, but let's be honest. Did any of you expect this? Because I didn't. And I, I, I would consider myself, generally speaking, a realist. 
And so even as we're trying to recover from 2020, now we got to deal with 2021 all over again. And when we start talking about churches, that's a whole different scenario. Here's just a few things that we watch happen. People moved out of state, lots of them, great friends, people we love dearly. People started attending church for the very first time. And so what we would find is we would weekly meet people and they're like, it's my first time coming to church, haven't been to church in 20 years, haven't been to church in 10 years. And people started coming to Christ. People left Christianity. People switched churches in droves. Pastors and ministry leaders left ministry in record numbers. And it was crazy And that's just the church world, let alone your work life and your home life. And can I just encourage you? You made it. (sighs) We're exhausted, but we're here. My concern is that 2022 is going to be more crazy. And here's what I want. I want for every one of you in this room watching who calls Village Church your home, I want this to be the greatest year of your life spiritually. I want you to get to the end of 2022 more in love with God than you ever were before. I want this to be a year where you are thriving spiritually, even if everything feels like it's burning down around you, that your relationship with God would be vibrant and growing, and this would legitimately, genuinely be the best year of your life spiritually in your relationship with God. Because here's what we know. Whatever happens out there that does not mean that your relationship with God has to suffer. It can make it more challenging, amen? But it is not a death sentence. And the Holy Spirit is with you and in you if you have trusted in Jesus. So this morning, I'm breaking this message kind of into two parts. The first part is, I wanna just take a second and I wanna look at realistically some of the challenges that are gonna be likely happening and affecting all of us in this room or who are watching. And then what I wanna do is I wanna shift gears and I want to share with you four decisions, four disciplines that I believe uniquely, if you make the decision to do these things, will be the best investment you make uh, because our desire is to see you thrive in 2022 spiritually. So I made a top 10 list of things that I'm expecting. Before I read them, I wanna read you one scripture. And what I want to ask you to do is memorize the second half of it because we're going to be repeating this together 10 times, okay? So the scripture comes from Colossians 1.17, and Paul says this, Jesus is before all things, and then here's your part, in him all things hold together. Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus is before all things, and In him, all things hold together. All right, 2022, what I'm expecting. Number one, more variants. We go into 2021, weren't even imagining this thing called Delta. We get about a quarter of the way through the year, and we're there. Summer 2021, the greatest letdown in human history. We think it's going behind us, and then it comes back, and then Omicron, and then who knows what's next. Uh, Maybe, possibly, Omicron is a little bit weaker, and maybe it's the sign that the virus is weakening globally. We don't know. But I know this. I had never even heard of or thought of the idea of Delta and Omicron. Never in my life. I can't even say Omicron. Is it Omicron? I don't even know. I don't want to learn how to say it right. I hope I get it wrong forever. But here's what I know. When we go into this next year, we'd be fools to think that somehow this is going to be the end, and now we're going to be on an upswing. Jesus is before all things, and 
In him, all things hold together. In 2022, I am expecting deeper cultural divisions. The left will continue to become more left. The right will be continue to become more right. I want to just prepare your hearts for a few things this spring or this summer, the Supreme Court is going to weigh in on Roe versus Wade. It is seeming probable that to some degree it's going to be overturned, which is a great gift to every single unborn baby. But I'm telling you, it will draw insanity out of people online. I'm telling you that people that like, are generally pretty nice are going to become really mean. And it's not just going to be on the left, it's going to be on the right as well. And here's what you're going to find. Social media is going to become just an ugly, disgusting place for a period of time. Oh, by the way, did you know that next year, or this year, sorry, this year will be midterm elections. And it's expected that, that one party is going to sweep, but no matter how you slice this, when so much is on the line, do you know what both sides are going to do? They are going to hyper-demonize. Now, in the past, they would hyper-demonize political parties. Here's what has shifted they are now hyper-demonizing the people who are supporting the political party. So now it's not just me against the party, it is me against you. And this is going to become rampant. Jesus is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. I wanna, I wanna just say this, before it gets to you, it's gotta go through him. And I think some of you need to hear this because some of you are like, where are you? Like, everything that gets to you passes through him first because in him, all things are holding together. He is the sovereign of history. He's the sovereign of COVID. He's the sovereign of life and death. He is the sovereign of nations. He's the sovereign of kings. He's the sovereign of it all. He is in control, and that's not a cliche. We don't say to make ourselves feel better because the more you think about it, actually, the harder it gets. But there's nothing that gets to you that hasn't gone through him first. In 2022, I am expecting greater vaccine divides and debates. Kids, kid vaccines will be pushed mandated and pressed. The vaccinated are growing hesitant about boosters. The unvaccinated are skeptical of everything. The boosted are hesitant about everyone else. And these realities are just going to continue. No matter who you are, you're going to find more and more tension on all of these things. Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In 2022, I am expecting even deeper distrust of the media, as if that was humanly possible, but you just wait. <laughs> Misinformation is everywhere. If you lean right, it's coming from the left. If you lean left, it's coming from the right. Whether you are a Republican, you're a Democrat, an independent, libertarian, you should be profoundly concerned about almost everything you're seeing in the media because they don't work for you. Jesus is before all things and in him, all things hold together. In 2022, I am expecting that there will be a more contentious social life. Uh, you need to expect probably that your friendships that are already a little bit tense are going to get divided even more. And for the most part, they're going to get divided along political lines. Christians will choose politics, vaccine approaches, and mass convictions over gospel unity in droves. Let me just say that again. I'm not picking on the left or the right, I'm picking on everybody. Christians will choose politics, vaccine approaches, and mass convictions over gospel unity. Wait for it. Those on the more liberal side will look down on you because you are gullible and killing people. 
Those of you on the more conservative side will look down on you because you are blind and you cannot see that you're following propaganda. And all of that's going to trickle into dinner table conversations, best friends, neighbors. Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. We're halfway there. Ready? In 2022, I am expecting rising inflation. Why am I expecting that? Follow the trends. Everything is going to cost more money. Everything. We don't know when it's going to stop. We hope it stops. But here's kind of the fallout of this. It means people give to their church less because that's the first thing that goes. And debt will rise because when you don't have, when you have less money, people will do anything to retain their standard of living. So we're going to look at less generosity and more debt in 2022, and you can expect that trend. But Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In 2022, I am expecting a worsening mental health crisis. It already exists, but it's going to begin to show its ugly head in ways you're not expecting it. First and foremost are going to be kids. Everyone thinks the kids are fine. I'm telling you, they're not. They're not. You cannot endure all of this and be left unscarred when you're little. The human brain doesn't even begin end development until 24 years old. Process that. And we expect somebody whose brain isn't even fully developed to deal with all this when we who are adults can barely deal with all of this. For adults particularly, anxiety, depression, screen addiction, and alcohol addiction will not just continue to rise, but are going to begin to rear their ugly heads relationally in homes and ultimately in churches. But Jesus is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. In 2022, I'm expecting drastic changes in your local church. Uh, You may be visiting here, you might be listening or watching from a different church, But here's probably what I think you should expect. Some of your close friends will stop coming to church except for their two to four time a year cameo. That's going to be the new real. You're already seeing this, aren't you? People you love, they're just gone. And they're not going anywhere. They're just gone. People in your small groups, gone. People you used to sit next to, gone. Friends, gone. People will continue to leave the faith. People will also continue to start coming to church for the first time. Like there was, a, there was a, a season toward the end of 2021 where I would get up and preach and I didn't know almost a third of the people in the room. That's weird for me. Like if you went up to me and you said, what's my name? I'd be like, I've seen your face, but I, I'm having a hard time keeping everything straight because so much has turned around everywhere. Everything is on its head. And so here's what you probably need to expect, that the homeostasis, the normalcy that was your church probably is going to begin to look a little bit different. And as the year progresses, if you could take a snapshot of all the ministries of the church at the end of 2022 and compare it to the beginning of 2022, things are going to look very different because people are coping and they're trying to deal with it. And, and really what COVID is doing is it's exposing the realities that are already inside of us. But Jesus is before all things and in him all things hold together. Number nine, in 2022, I'm expecting unending roadblocks to spiritual thriving. The two chief ones being busyness and anxiety. These are two realities that are almost designed by the evil one to pull you away from intimacy with God. And if you will fight 
It will be a battle worth fighting. And as all of these things come upon you and demand of you, they want your soul, they want your peace, and they want your time. We know that our God is good and he is in control. So Village Church, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Lastly, you guys are like, thank God. Can you be done with this top 10 list? It's taking forever. In 2022, I am expecting unbelievable growth in Jesus' kingdom. Anytime the world implodes, the kingdom of God explodes. It's amazing. And so when we look around this, we're looking at our jobs being threatened, we're looking at our health being threatened, we're looking at everything that was normal becoming topsy-turvy. And then here's what we learn, that the Lord uses moments like this to bring people to their knees in greater intimacy with him to show them the beauty of the gospel, the utter failure of the worldview that people are buying into hook, line, and sinker, and then leaving them devastated. And then Jesus says, come and follow me and extends a hand of love and patience and peace and forgiveness and redemption and renewal, I'm telling you, Jesus has never been more compelling for the weary soul than he will be in 2022 in America. And so be encouraged because he is before all things, little church, and in him all things hold together. So let's summarize it this way. 2022, I think you and I should expect that it's going to be a challenging year. Does this mean that you are doomed spiritually? What's the answer? No, not at all. So here's my question. If we know what is coming, then how should we prepare our souls now? One of my favorite characters, I call him future me. I don't know him yet. I'm going to meet him. And there's a future you. And future you would love to have a word with today you. Future you would love to tell you that today you need to start working out your soul so you can lift the heavy weight that's coming at the end of this year. Future you would look at you and say, if, if you don't start making some shifts and some basic one-on-one decisions, you will not be able to carry what is coming upon you. And so what I want to do is I want to give you four basic, basic workouts for very basic things. It's killing me not to spend an hour on each of these. But what I want to do is I want to go through these four things. I want to encourage you, and here's what I want you to take away. I want you to just take away one or two things that you can walk home with and say, I will. I will begin working out these aspects of my life so that I can build spiritual muscle to prepare my soul to carry the weight of very likely what might be coming in 2022. Sound good? Number one, all these are so what's. By the way, I don't have, I don't have so what's at the end of my message. These are the so what's. So what, number one, scripture before screens. A friend of mine recently preached a message on this. I loved it. I was like, I have to steal this because I think this summarizes what is trapping so many people, followers of Jesus, from spending time in the word. Psalm chapter one, we look at verses one and two. Starts off and it says this, blessed is the man. Blessed means spiritually happy and thriving. It does not mean wealthy. It means spiritually thriving. How many of you would like to be blessed in 2022 in a non-prosperity uh, 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 gospel kind of way? How many of you would like to be spiritually thriving and growing? Amen. That is what we want. And so he's going to give a solution, by the way. Blessed is the man, spiritually thriving, who walks, and then here are the things that you have to avoid. Because these will kill spiritual thriving in your soul. 
Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Let me tell you where most of these people are in your life. TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm going to go on a limb. 97% of the things on your scroll are useless. They are worthless, they are worldly, and they are not for your thriving. So when you get up in the morning and you go, worthlessness over God and his word, what do you think it will do to your soul? I am not opposed, I'm opposed to TikTok for different reasons, I am not opposed to Instagram or Facebook. I think they can serve a purpose and be a great gift to you. I'm telling you though, for most of us, they are our go-to drug in the morning before we ever touch God's word. So may you set your brain and your heart in the mornings on God's word. But here's what verse two says. Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Simple discipline. When you roll out of bed, have your Bible app or your Hand, your paper Bible, couldn't even say the words. I'm like, what is this thing you use, paper? Uh, your paper Bible, have it next to your bed or wherever you go first in the morning. Have your app easily accessible, the first place your brain goes. Here's a little simple like shift. Most of you, your brain goes on your phone right to where the primary social media app is that you, your addiction leads you to in the morning. Replace that place on your phone with your Bible and for like a month, you'll click it without even knowing it. And you'll roll out of bed, you'll click it, and the word of God will be staring you in your face. And before you go to bed, there might be a different app that you scroll through before you go to sleep. Find another Bible app or duplicate that Bible app and put it in that place so that before you go to bed, by habit, you, you just spend time reading and engaging God's word. Your soul needs it. You are about to endure stuff you're not prepared to carry. And we need to start building the muscles in order to do this. Uh, in 2010, a study was done that found, kids, you're gonna love this, if, you, if a child will eat a vegetable they don't like nine to 10 times, by the ninth and 10th time, their body actually begins to like it. And not just like it, but experience the benefits of it. Delight, I know, nope. <laughs> I love it. Delight in healthy things is almost always the result of discipline. Delight in unhealthy things is easy and it takes no work. There will be almost nothing in your life that is good for you, that is healthy, that your body says, let's do it, that sounds fun. But if you want things to be delightful to you, and right now you know it's good for you, but it tastes bad, what stands between you and the word of God, your heart delighting in it, it's just simply discipline. So here's what typically happens. Somebody opens the Bible. Let's even say you know how to read the Bible. You've got a Bible reading plan, and you do it for two days, and it has no impact on you, and you experience no delight. What I would tell you is nobody gets ripped by working out twice. When you're four or 500 pounds, it takes a year or two to lose that kind of weight, let alone to rebuild kind of the muscle that you need. 
And so what I'm telling you is that for most of us spiritually, if we've spent the last two years gorging ourselves on social media, we are fat. We need to lose weight. We need to learn how to taste the word of God again and delight in it. And that means you need to get rid of the junk for a season. I think fasting from social media and different things that are a temptation to you, that are filling your brain with junk is a wonderful discipline. And here's why I say this, because when you fast, it's not just about what you stop doing, it's what you replace that thing with. And in biblical fasting, you replace the thing you stop with prayer and scripture. That's what you do. It's a time of devotion to the Lord where you spend time with him and his word. And so maybe there are things in your life immediately you know they're not good for your soul. And you got to take a month or two off so that you learn to delight again in the word of God. And it might taste like broccoli and asparagus for the first two or three weeks. And that's okay. Here's a, a, at the end of each of these, um, I want to share with you just a simple goal. My goal in 2022 is I will overcome the lure of screens and choose to daily feed my soul with scripture. So at number two, prayer over self-reliance. Book of Philippians, Paul has quite a bit to say on anxiety and prayer. Chapter four, verse six, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, for most of us, anxiety has become a purely clinical term, but really what he means by this is your job is not to worry, it's not to fret, it's not to look at all the what-ifs of the future and lose your brain because greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And we could go on and on. I love that you guys, guys, we've like repeated a lot of scripture over the last semester and you guys had that ready to go. I'm so impressed. Verse six goes on, says, but in everything. And that, that, that is the phrase I want, I, we're gonna read the rest, but I just need to come back to this. In everything, by prayer, supplication is just asking, it's request. Thanksgiving, I mean, it's interesting that prayer for Paul, it's not just gimme, 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 gimme. It's, there's asking, but there's thanksgiving. There's so much more to this. Let your requests be made known to God. It's interesting, the antidote is not one-off prayer. The antidote is this, in everything. So here's, here's what happens. I prayed, nothing changed. I don't feel the surpassing peace of God. Because you just, did it once. In fact, the promise which comes next in verse 7 is the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But go back one verse to verse 6. That You get that when you learn the art of praying in everything. And so here's like just some simple tips. Like when you open up the word of God, talk to the Lord. It does not have to be a formal thing. If you want to find a book of prayer that helps you pray, that's great. Talk to God like you would a good dad. Tell him what you need. Thank him for things. Open up the word of God. And then one of the, one of the disciplines that I've been working on for 20 years now is I call it my default person I'm talking to when I think. And so the default person when I think, I just think and I talk to God. That's just a normal prayer life. And so I'm like, I have a thought. I'm like, Lord, what do you think? I learned to actually address my thoughts the vast majority of the time to God. And, and I just find myself talking to the Lord on a regular basis. I get into the car and I'm like, hey God, what do you think about that? Because I'm just so used to directing my thoughts toward him. 
Now, that took a while to develop, um, but it's been a really helpful discipline. I've just learned to talk to God throughout the day, and it's been a great, great gift. When I go to bed, I'm like, all right, God, what's up? What are you doing tomorrow? How are you doing? Good? Everything's, everything's good on your end? Everything's good on my end? All right, here's what I need. Hey, thank you for that thing, by the way, today, and here's my goal in 2022. I will crucify self-sufficiency. I'm telling you guys, I think I can do a lot on my own. Anyone else? I got it, I got it, I got it. I will crucify self-sufficiency and choose to hourly rely on God through prayer. I don't mean that to be legalistic. I just, I don't want to put daily as if you just sit down for two seconds in a day in the morning, you're like, ah, God, like, I want you to learn how to pray in everything. It doesn't have to be long-winded. You don't have to bow your head so everybody sees it, (laughs) right? Learn to talk to God about everything and the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, that gift in time will be given to you. So what, number three, we're gonna take a different direction here, and, I've, and these last two um, are really unique, I think, to this COVID season. Love over conformity. Uh, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 14. I'll have it on the screen. Verse 10, such an interesting passage And I find it interesting because here's what's happening. You had a bunch of Jews, and they followed the Old Covenant. And in the Old Covenant, there were a whole bunch of food laws. Don't eat this, don't eat that, don't eat this, don't eat that. Then they come to Christ. And Jesus is like, I'm going to summarize. Hey, the Old Testament, I fulfilled it. It's done. You're not under that law anymore. You can eat whatever you want. What? I mean, your whole life you've been told, you can't do all of these things. And now you're completely free. Then a bunch of Gentile Christians start entering your life. People who didn't grow up with the law, they knew nothing of it. All these non-Jewish Christians. And they're eating meat. They're eating meat sacrificed to idols because they're like, well, the idols aren't real anyways. They're eating anything they want. I mean, these, and you're frustrated. You can't eat that. Why can't I eat that? Because the Old Testament law says you can't eat it. We're not under Old Testament law. That's right. We're not, but you still can't eat it. Why? Because I'm not comfortable with you doing things that you're free to do because I'm not free to do them. What? So then here's what would happen. Even though these Gentile Christians were doing things that were completely allowed by God, the Jewish Christians would scowl at them, judge them, condemn them. How dare you? You're eating meat? (laughs) Doesn't that sound so stupid in retrospect? And so Paul talks about there's There are weak Christians, and there are strong Christians. So here's what happens in Romans 14.10, and this is all in the context of eating food. You're allowed to eat, but some people aren't comfortable with it. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Anybody here, anybody guilty of judging another Christian for their views on vaccines, masks, mandates, anything, anyone? Am I the only one? Okay, good. All right, we have a handful of people who have passed judgment. Or you, he says... This, is, this gets you. Why do you despise your brother? What's happening in the church? They are one in Christ. And they are letting theological, non-gospel, by the way, theological things, I, I would call this politics right now, become more valuable to them than unity in Christ. Why? You must agree with me on a non-gospel issue or otherwise our fellowship is cut off. Guys, be really careful. This next year, you will be tempted to cut out people left and right. And hear me, you will get cut out. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. 
you're gonna get cut out. The moment you have an opinion or a thought, the moment you can be fully transparently you, right, which I would hope that would be like your friends, <laughs> you're done. Expect that. But may it not be said of us that I demand conformity for relationship. That my love for you is contingent on you agreeing with me. Guys, I have strong opinions on everything. Right? You know me. And I find a little bit of diversity of thought, it's actually pretty fun. As long as you can allow me to be me, I will let you be you. I've also found that really I can't change your mind a whole lot. Or if I'm going to, it's going to be because you know I love you over a long period of time and I root it in facts and logic in the word of God. There are two scriptures that I found profoundly helpful and I feel like I need continually to learn how to apply these. Romans 2.4, Paul says, the kindness of God leads people to repentance. And here's what's interesting is there's a principle here that if you want somebody to change, what's going to be more compelling? Yelling at them or being kind to them? Pretty much being kind. And that's, that's this general principle. It's like, it's, by the way, it's the same with God. No one's ever been like, I'm going to change my mind because you called me an ugly bigot. Wow, I'm really compelled. The, kind, the kindness of God leads people to repentance, but also your kindness if, you, if somebody really is objectively wrong, it's not going to happen because you berate them. Another one is from the book of James. The anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness that God desires. Change! You're terrible! <laughs> okay. You get behavior modification when you use anger. You don't get real, heartfelt change. So here's, here's what I've learned. You can, you can call me every name under the sun. You can leverage all of your social power and make me out to be a terrible human. You can gossip, slander about me. None of that's gonna make me want to change my mind. Actually, what I really appreciate are people who love to talk, love to dialogue. They're okay being wrong. I'm okay being wrong. Changing our minds, learning, et cetera. This is like what Christians do, by the way. Like, if you wanna call yourself a mature Christian in 2022, be rooted in God's word. Learn how to talk to God throughout the day. And let's just be clear. You're not intimidated by ideas and you understand that like people should be loved no matter who they are and where they're coming from and what their view is. I'm sorry, I don't get to treat you like dirt because you have bad ideas. And I, I, I love, I'd love to try to convince you to agree with me, but you know what? Like I find that love over demanding conformity in this next year is gonna be one of your greatest gospel witnesses. And I do not mean, by the way, that you don't have opinions, you do. I do not mean that you're weak because you're not. We're Christians, we're followers of Christ. By nature, we have, a, we have courage and strength in the spirit of God. What I am saying, though, is that love, rather than demanding conformity, will go much further faster. Let it not be said of us that we are passing judgment or despising a brother and sister in Christ, particularly over non-gospel issues. My goal in 2022... I will release the need to control others and choose to love unconditionally. <laughs> Is that hard for anyone else? So what, number four? Church over convenience. Hebrews 10, 25. Do not neglect to meet together. I probably read this a thousand times this year. Do not neglect to meet together. Could it mean anything else? Do not neglect to meet together. Do not neglect to meet together. Do not... Okay, as is the habit of some. Why? Well, in the book of Hebrews, in their time, because it was hard. Because, like, there's a dispersion. There are, there's persecution. There's a risk 
It's challenging. Do not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. At the beginning of the message, I identified that uh, many of you, if not all of you, are going to have friends that just stop coming to church altogether. And I've so far been able to identify, I think, the four primary reasons, and I'll let you figure out if this is you. Um, number one is fear. And, and I'm, I'm pretty sensitive, by the way, to to home realities, work realities. I, again, I don't want you to hear judgment on that. So I, I am very, very patient and gracious, and I think everybody has a story. So I don't, I, I'm probably not the guy who's gonna be like, no matter what, always. Like, there are reasons I get it. But there are some people that pure, petrified, anxious fear stops them from engaging the people of God. Another, another reason I found is anger. The church didn't take their position. I, I can tell you, I've never met a malicious group of pastors in COVID who were like, we're gonna make everyone's life harder. This has not been the posture that I have heard from any pastoral team that I've engaged with. It's really challenging to serve a very diverse group of people and your pastors are doing the best they can. But there's some who are like, they're never coming back because we didn't make the decision that you demanded us to make. We just can't always do that. I think the next two are the hardest for me. I get the first two because it's, it's conviction, it is safety, it is a whole bunch of things, but the next two I think are a little more challenging. And this is inconvenience. Life is easier in pajamas and especially apart from the demands of people and ministry. I agree. Like I, I literally don't disagree. But God's not called us to pajamas. Well, eight hours of the day. We'll give you that. <laughs> Do not neglect to meet together. Do not neglect to meet together. I've tried up and down, left and right, every which way to find options out of this. Number four is arrogance. Let me explain what I mean by this. There are a bunch of people who don't go to church anymore because they've arrived and they don't need it. They transcend what the church offers. I, I think the greatest impact that makes me the most sad is the impact on our kids. Really just devastates me. They're gonna look back to 2020 and 21 and 22 as one of the most formational times of their entire life. And they're learning habits and patterns in this season in ways that probably they're never learning it in the past. Like if you go to people who lived in the depression, the way kids grew up in that season affected the way they lived their entire life and their value sets. And what I'm trying to tell you is that the way you posture your life in traumatic cultural moments sears habits and patterns and values into the soul of children. And one of my biggest concerns is that we are searing habits and patterns into the soul of our children that will devastate them for decades to come. Okay, Michael, well, then why should I go to church? I think it's like working out. If you go once, like, here's the deal. Some of my messages, they're super boring. They're really long. They're completely irrelevant to you. I get it, right? Try preaching a message to hundreds of people that is equally relevant for all of them every week. Not humanly possible. 
There are some weeks you come, and if you're looking to me to make church worth it for you, it's not going to be worth it all the time. If you're looking for a perfect sound system or not sitting next to somebody who's curmudgeoning, I can't promise any of that. But I can say that your soul was made to worship with God's people. I can say that your soul was made for ministry. I can say that your soul was made for corporate worship. I can say that your soul was made to pray with God's people. I I can say that your soul was made to be under the teaching of pastors on a regular basis. I can say that your soul was made for fellowship. I can also say it's really easy to stop. And it's like if you are for some reason buff and you stop working out for a week or two, you're fine. Three weeks, you're fine. Four weeks, a little bit of a gut, but you're used to it now. Five weeks, six weeks, and it's a slow fade and you forget, you really do, until your clothes don't fit anymore. And I think for so many people, it's been a slow fade. And so even as I say this, some of you might be like, man, that's condemning or judgmental. I actually don't mean it to be. I, I think I'm probably one of the more patient people with this process, and I don't think me being a bully in the pulpit is gonna get you to change your mind. What I do love is honesty and bluntness, especially when it comes to applying the word of God. It's one of my favorite things. I just want you to tell me the truth, help me understand it, let me figure it out. So you and the Holy Spirit, you can navigate this, right? And and I might have said something, you're like, you know what? Convenience really was it. Arrogance really is it. You know what? My anger is, 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 I'm allowing extra biblical things to draw division between me and the body of Christ. I, I don't know what it might be, but my guess is that there is some idol that it has made, it has made it very challenging for you to engage with God's people during COVID. So here's my, my 2022 goal. I will repent of the idol that keeps me from church. And by the way, it's not just church. I'm not looking for numbers. I want your soul to thrive. And I will decide to choose weekly worship with God's people. Four decisions to prepare your soul for 2022. Kids can do these. Adults can do these. Anybody can do these things. And if you need help in any way We would love to come alongside of you and support you. We would love to equip you. We would love to give you resources. We'd love to give you tools. There are some incredible, incredible, there are a lot of incredible people at this church, and there are some incredible resources. And if you were to come to me or any of our leaders and say, I need help with blank, I guarantee you within 48 hours or a week if they're on vacation, we can have you sitting with somebody or on the phone with somebody who can help equip you to take the next step that God is asking you to take this year. Let's pull back. 2022, I'm expecting it's gonna be a challenge. I hope this wasn't too much of a bummer message. But I'm telling you this, Jesus is in control. In him, all things are holding together. Nothing is getting to you unless it goes through him. And now future you would like you to start working out because future you is carrying very heavy weight. And today you need to begin to build those muscles. So love you. And again, 
Every, every New Year's, you're like, Michael, you never give, like, go get them or New Year's messages. And I'm like, it's just not my nature. You know, like, I'm more like, a, let's, let's tackle this thing. Let's go after it. And, and, uh, but I really, I really desire that you would be thriving and spiritually, uh, spiritually thriving and growing in 2022. I want to take a moment. I want to pray for you. And then we're going to celebrate communion together. Father, um, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your spirit. Our sins are covered by the blood of Christ. You give us your Holy Spirit and you are just relentlessly wanting us to become more like Jesus. And then you give us every tool that we need. But God, we also confess that for many of us, and we've had a really unhealthy diet the last year or two. And so even looking at this idea of being in the word daily or learning how to pray on a regular basis or coming back to church, it feels exhausting. Lord, would you give us energy spiritual energy? Would you give us conviction where we have maybe had an idol that has replaced you? And would you renew again in us our delight in your word and time with you and in being with your people? And Lord, I also just pray that you would help each one of us in this room as we navigate people we are not on the same page with politically. May we, as followers of Jesus, be a bright, shining light. May we learn to love even those who despise. And Lord, I pray that those who engage us would walk away believing we love them. And we love them because you first loved us. So Father, we commit our lives to you. I commit our church before you. And as I prayed in 2020 and 2021, I pray again, would you keep us together in vision and unity and love? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, if you have personally trusted in Jesus, we are going to celebrate communion together. And this is an opportunity for you to thank God for how faithful and good he has been to you despite, and some of you right now, like you are in the middle of it. And God is good. The thing that you are dealing with went through him before it got to you and he is availing all of his resources to love, encourage, and support you. And so this is a a time where we just center ourselves and we say, God, thank you for every good thing you've done. And and there might just be some hard issues that you need to confess in this time. And we're gonna have a time of silence here in a little bit. I wanna encourage you to confess and talk to God. And, And I love that the gospel teaches that salvation isn't for those who are good enough, but forgiveness and and redemption is for anybody who asked Jesus. So the day you trusted in Christ, all of your sins once and for all were covered. So you can confess regularly, even knowing that as you do that, they've already been washed clean by the blood of Christ. And the Holy Spirit stands ready to come alongside of you and and to help you become more like Jesus. You may be here and you have never trusted in Jesus. And my guess is you have a ton of vision for 2022. You might want to be happier, healthier, wealthier, or something of the sorts. And I just want to tell you, all of it is useless without Jesus. And I want to invite you today to trust in Christ because I don't know what kind of weight you're going to be asked to carry this next year. I can tell you it's going to be heavier than you expect and you are going to need Jesus Christ. You need him for the forgiveness of your sins. You need him for salvation. You need him in order to be able to carry the spiritual weight that is about to come upon you and you're going to need him to thrive from this day forth for the rest of your life. 
One of the greatest gifts that you get when you trust in Christ is you have the absolute hope and certainty of salvation when you die and today because Jesus paid for all of your sins. And if that's a decision you wanna make today, I wanna invite you to trust in Christ. And and I'm not gonna make you raise your hand and jump up and down. I just wanna invite you to do one thing if you are ready to trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. We're gonna celebrate communion in a moment. I wanna invite you to participate in communion with us because when you take these elements, they have no power in and of themselves, but, but they are a declaration. They're a declaration that everyone who partakes in them, you are saying without words, I believe in Jesus Christ, fully God, who died on the cross for my sins. I believe Jesus was raised from the dead. I believe he's coming back. I believe salvation isn't for people who accrue a whole bunch of good works. I believe believe it is for those who trust in Jesus alone. And if those are things that you believe and you're ready to trust in Christ, I wanna invite you in a little bit when we go get elements, go grab an element. Partake together and let this be your first declaration of your faith in Jesus. So here's how we do things. Um, At my right in the column, there are communion elements. Over to my left at that column are also elements. And then between the double doors, um, in a moment, we're going to have a time of silence. When that's done, we're going to worship together. During the song, I want to invite you to stand up, go grab elements, bring them back to your seat, and we're going to hold on to them to the end of the song, and we're going to partake together of communion as a symbol of our unity that is in Jesus Christ and definitely not politics. Amen? Let's have a time of silence together.